Hello, everybody, and welcome to another film podcast. My name is Tierney. My name is Colin. My name. My name name is Matt. (laughs) And (gasps) we have someone else here with us. Dramatic gasp. (gasps) What's your name? Oh, I have to say my name? Who are you? I didn't didn't put that in my notes. Uh, how, how are you going to proceed? I, I, and I'm Jim slash James slash I go by a lot of different names. Jimothy. Jimothy. <laughs> things, uh, seems like things could get weird on this recording. I'm excited. As if yeah, they don't our, ordinarily. Touche. <laughs> and this is our second guest star. We've only had one other guest star, also a J name, oh, yeah. uh, named Joel, who did the Suspiria episode. Because uh, Tierney didn't want to watch a scary movie. Um, a scary movie with demons, specifically. Um, but now we have our second guest star. And first of kind of a run of guest stars in the near future. Uh, well, d- don't, let's not make promises we can't necessarily keep. I mean, well, we might as well tease things. We can always replace people if people drop out. But in any case, uh, Jim also attended our first <clears throat> film festival a few times. Oh yeah, we came to a few movies. Yeah, I were you there for mute? <clears throat> yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't even remember. Which well, it's one probably was for the best. <laughs> yeah, if you saw me, you would remember because yeah, it's a waste of I, hours. I don't think it was that, but either way, I'm very, I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having yeah. me. I'm now what jealous you that you weren't there for mute. I wish that all three of us could not have been there for me. <laughs> and do you remember who who scheduled it? Who programmed that in the festival? Who did? You. It was me. Oh. <laughs> I, I wrought that curse upon us. <laughs> oh, also, it's okay, while, I we're talking about, while we're talking about curses that Matt wrought upon us, um, this is not related to the podcast or film festival, but uh, three years ago, Matt oh, was inspired... Yes. <laughs> By an episode of Queer Eye, where Anthony taught the the uh, person that they were like make remaking or whatever, um, taught him to make like this really simple salad with like grapefruits, wedges, and avocado slices. (laughs) And and Matt was like, "Oh, I like grapefruit. I like avocado. I'll just make that salad for dinner one night." And it looks like one of the most vile looking things i've ever seen it's this gigantic plate of and it's like it's not like aesthetically pleasing either it's just like chunks of grapefruit chunks of avocado it literally looked like like tyranny said just raw fish with some like green shit on top of it it was (laughs) disgusting and also like they weren't the freshest avocados so they were like brown spots in them as well it was, uh, it was a, one of it the was most foul things <laughs> and Tierney and I were just sitting in the kitchen watching Matt attempt to eat this nightmare food and <laughs> which just, you did it I, I did it and it was not it didn't taste good because I also didn't have pure olive oil so I used this like garden evo basil <laughs> garlic <laughs> dressing like salad dressing and I just kind of like poured it over it and it was just like tart and the skin of the grapefruit was still on it so it was also kind of bitter and then the avocado was like too soft and it wasn't in like nicely cut wedges it was literally just like slops of it just looks like raw fish with avocado on top 
Yeah. Can so, we attach that image? To yeah, I was gonna our... say people need to see this image because Tierney ruined my day by sending it to me. So like, <laughs> <laughs> like, if I had to deal with that, anybody who's listening to this has to deal with it too. <laughs> it looks like it, I would say the best thing, like the closest thing, it looks like would be like something from that fungus world that Super Mario Brothers the movie takes place in. Oh yeah, where everything's just kind of like covered in skin yeah. and like wobbly and like with growths that's what this looked like it tasted like grapefruit and avocado but it looked like dennis hopper's like his warty kingdom. head yeah his like warty <laughs> flap like skin flaps because it was like bright pink for the grapefruit in some spots and then like pale white from the like skin it just looked nothing like the queer i played i would say we should also get a picture of the like the salad that they made in the episode because like i don't really like grapefruit i probably would never have eaten that salad anyway but like it did look nice when anthony made it (laughs) matt just made the most cursed version of it (laughs) i sent you a picture of it just for for your own reference if you want to pull it up so you need yeah to put a a face to dennis hopper oh my here's what i'll also say i think (laughs) there it is (laughs) the live reaction I think the problem also is that, like, with, like, cake fails or, like, elaborate food fails, it's always, like, oh, this, like, Elsa cake looks really bad. Like, this doesn't look, like, frozen at all. But with mine, it's literally two ingredients, and it looks this bad. Like, almost no presentation. Yeah. It was literally just slices of grapefruit, which comes in segments. And slices of avocado, which I know how to do. And instead, <laughs> this thing, this patty of abomination. Juice. It's just yeah. foul. Foul. And it did not taste great. I will say that. The dressing did not make it taste as good as it probably could. Nothing was going on that was correct with that plate. Um just yeah one of many Christ. food fails <laughs> food poisoning myself with hot water thawed salmon oh, on, forgot on, about on that. new year's eve on new year's eve and then bringing smoked salmon bites to a party <laughs> while i ate and drank nothing because i ran around my apartment like a ghost all day going, <laughs> watching making a murderer in my underwear sweating through a blanket <laughs> This is like this salad was as bad as that, and that like hurt me. (laughs) But like that grapefruit salad is like a a psychic attack. It really takes you down. It really changes what you think reality could be. I also noticed in the tablecloth in that picture, it's it's our film festival table. So it was during the film festival that you did that travesty (laughs) so actually yeah that's a very appropriate then for this podcast because that cursed thing happened during a very good event um matt almost single-handedly ruined our festival (laughs) if anyone had seen that person besides movie selection and that garbage salad (laughs) i did my best to create the festival and i did my damn best to destroy it as well (laughs) to do everything in my power to ruin it 
kill your darlings, Holy you know? Shit. <clears throat> yep. Like that should... snowstorm that, that kept everyone from coming to our Wes Andersonville party. Oh, um, yeah. I forgot that about that. That snowstorm was brutal. All right. Anyway. Well, we're about 10 minutes in. Should yeah. we oh, <laughs> finally start talking about what we're doing? This yeah, so movie. this week. Yeah. <laughs> this week, uh, we sacrificed uh, a quarter of our lives to watch Amadeus. And unfortunately, you can't find the theatrical cut pretty much anywhere. So we all had to watch the director's cut, which is a thousand hours long. <laughs> I picked this movie. I'm the one that picked it. <laughs> this one's on me. Uh, I am the one who picked it now. I had wanted to see it for a while. Um, and we're starting like a Oscars run. So this first round of three movies is going to be all movies that won Best Picture. And so this was mine. Um, and uh, yeah. So that's my experience. So I think... Jim, you're the only one who had seen this before, correct? Many times. Okay. Mm. Yeah, both this and the theatrical cut. I really appreciate how you guys are just blindly taking my word for it, that this this version is crappier than the theatrical cut. <laughs> well, yeah, I, having only I think part seen of it one, is that we're I, kind of ready to believe in yeah, that. Having only seen one of them, I feel like I, I'm willing to take that on faith because... <laughs> I didn't dislike this movie, and we will definitely talk more about it over the course it's of the next long. 17 hours of our lives, but yeah, it just, like, it just felt really bloated. Like, there, it was, like, it was doing some cool things, and especially if you think about, like, this movie came out in 1984, like, this is, like, a pretty weird Oscars movie, especially for 1984, but it's just so fucking long, like, unnecessarily so, and so I can definitely see why... A theatrical version would be which is two and a half hours which is still like a reasonable length yeah like it's not yeah. short by any means even the theatrical one but like i think cutting out those 25 ish minutes would go a long way but I, yeah i don't entirely know what would have been cut that, yeah I'll, i don't know either but i would have made it go faster almost across the board I would really dice this shit up and I'd make it an hour and a half. We could get it in an hour and a half. <laughs> it's cool. To, it's cool to see the operas. We don't need to see the whole opera. And there's so time. many of them. There's more yeah. operas than any other movie about opera. I'm mostly joking, but Jim, I want to hear your thoughts because you're the one who has a history with this movie. Tell us where you first watched it. Tell us how you fell in love with it. Tell us your thoughts, all of them. Um, so I, I would say that this is one of the many kind of TV shows or movies that I shared with my dad, which was like some kind of things that I treasured. Like he, inter he introduced me to Monty Python, to Faulty Towers, to um, like Indiana Jones and all that kind of stuff. And, and this was, he loved this movie. I think my mom did too. And that was very contagious. And so I grew up watching it because, you know, the, the theatrical cut is PG and this one is R. What? Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> and if you guys would like, I could do it now or do it later. I could talk about um, what was cut or what, what was what? Yeah. What was yeah. What was cut from the director's cut uh, or from to get to get it to the PG rating. And frankly, it's all stuff that this movie could do without. Wow. Hit us. 
Let's go um, right in. <clears throat> well, well, I think... For, yeah. <clears throat> no, no, go ahead. I, it kind of ties into one of the other things about this movie, though. Like, So one, I think one of the most powerful things about this movie to me is... And I also was raised Catholic and am Catholic, and I think that that kind of resonates with me as well. Um, and one of the most fascinating parts of this movie, I think, is Salieri. And the idea that you are talented and you see someone else who's just doesn't even have to try, who's just so much more mentally talented than you and you feel worthless. And in the original, in the theatrical cut, I think Salieri is much more sympathetic of a character than he is in this. Mm. I think he's an absolute shithead in this movie. And granted, he, d- he does try to kill Mozart in both movies. Like, it's not like they cut that out, but like, um, the entire scene when Constance comes to him, or not the entire mm-hmm. scene, she comes to him and she's like, can you please look at these pieces? Um, we need like you to put in a good word for us. And normally he, lo- he looks at them and he is astounded and he's just, he's so moved and then he drops them and walks away. And this, he tells her that she needs to sleep with him. And then she comes oh, over, yeah. and none of that's in the original. Wow. She comes over, she, he humiliates her, and it's just, it makes him such a worse person than he already is. I really, like, from, from being, yeah. maybe I was groomed for it, but maybe, when, I, when, I, when I was younger, I felt, like, really bad for him, and I thought that he was really a really sympathetic character, and I think that this takes it all away. There's also another moment where he where he's like cursing God when he's like telling the priest, he's like, I didn't sleep with anybody. I taught people for free. Like him, like kind of bragging about that, about his chastity, like that, some of that stuff was added in some of his cursing, the crucifix that was added too. it was so, it's so overdramatic. So interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because the whole thing with, uh, Stancy never comes back. Except in the final moments where she's like, I want you out of here. I was going to say, I think that's also like all these years you haven't seen each other. Maybe. Yeah. But it still seemed like it was because of their history. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think like when she got to the house and saw that it was him, like there is a moment where like on her face, she's just like, oh, this fucking guy. And so I think like if if you cut that first part out of. Like, in the theatrical cut, if you don't have that, like, him propositioning her, basically, um, Mm -hmm. like, you don't get the weight of her, like, it's, like you said, Tierney, I think, like, that, that moment at the end plays more of, uh, oh, my husband is really sick, he needs to be left alone, you need to leave, but I think it's, it, now it's played as a, oh, you especially need to leave, yeah. Which I think like makes but that moment slightly so more powerful, long. but I don't think yeah I don't think that it's necessary because <laughs> I think like, like I had completely forgotten about that by the time I got to the end. <laughs> there's actually there's a direct line reference to the scene when he humiliates her, like when she oh. says, I, "I regret we have no servants to show you out." He asks his servant to show her out. Oh, that's right. Of, oh, right. In the middle of her undressing, and like. And I didn't notice it until after I'd seen the director's cut, whereas, like, the, when she delivers that line that we have no, I regret we have no servants to show you out, she is livid. And I get that. And it, it carries more weight, sure, but I think that the movie can still do without it. Yeah, it's not yeah, necessary. Because, sure. like, like you said, Tierney, 
you would want in that position you would want anybody who's not your husband or your family to leave the house and that's like that's a totally valid motivation for her to make those lines so we don't need this extra stuff in there that like you said jim just makes him a pretty reprehensible character yeah. <laughs> like that, that there was a lot of stuff that i didn't really like about him like as a character um but that was the first one where i was just like oh fuck this guy like this guy yeah. is a huge piece of shit <laughs> yeah and so i also think that was like uh payback for mozart sleeping with his soprano that he was interested in yeah he was like i've lost the soprano mm-hmm. like i knew that he had her way with it so like that scene happens pretty soon after that so i assumed it was like him trying to even things out with Mozart in some way Mm -hmm. and then realizing like no I have a chastity vow I'm not going to betray myself for for this but I think that muddles his motivations constantly where I think my overall note about the movie is that I didn't know what the stakes were besides like I'm going to make somebody like Mozart slightly less and then and then that will destroy his career or like I'm going to make him write music that is so sad that he'll want to kill himself. (laughs) And it was like, I don't really know what you're doing necessarily. And I think if it becomes this like really elaborate plot that Salieri is like hatching constantly, it does become like, yeah, you did a lot of things, but also like none of them meant anything really. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I just didn't know what like the actions resulted in besides like, Oh, the emperor yawned, and now I don't have any more. Like I can't run my show for longer. And it was like I don't, I don't understand the context of this. Like I think he just wants them to be so like uh, disliked and destitute that he can't even compose anymore. But at the same time, I do think that he's conflicted because he does like see the talent in his compositions. Yeah. I just yeah. like, and that's where I feel like uh, the director's cut might muddle some of that, um, well, man, because there is a story there. There's just a lot of like extra stuff. Right. Yeah. Man, it's, I'm glad you brought up the whole him sleeping, allegedly sleeping with his soprano, because that's another thing that is less. It's much more ambiguous than the actual cut. The whole like oh. scene where Salieri <clears throat> says, "I knew, I knew he had had her," like that wasn't in the original. Yeah. This movie needed to be the theatrical cut. I didn't need to see the director's cut of this this one. Yeah, it's really... I bet you that the... I was telling Jim, I feel like that, like, part of the production agreement is that, like, you can't get the theatrical version anymore. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's, like, nearly impossible. Like, it's not available on any streaming platform. Um, Jim said... I was talking to Jim a little bit and he was like, where would one find this? And he was like, I don't know. The only Blu-ray available is, is the director's cut. Like you can't get the theatrical yeah, wow. cut on Blu-ray anymore. And did you, you said like the, even the, the theatrical DVD you had wasn't like officially released as a theatrical DVD. I don't know. There was a period of time where my dad was taking all of our VHSs and turning them into DVDs, like the original Star, like the those Star Wars VHSs, oh, like nice. the ones that were untouched. Like he was turning those into DVDs. And yeah, Amadeus was one of them. Um, okay, that, that's what I had been watching. So like maybe um, it had been released in in a physical format and DVD at some point, but like clearly yeah. that's not really available anymore. It's possible, but I'll be damned if I'm going to watch a DVD over a Blu-ray. Oh, right. Yeah. No, 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 no. Very, very relatable over on this side as well. Yeah. But, um, 
but yeah, it's I the only thing like I actually the movie is long. Like it's it is long, and I'm not gonna say that it's not. But I didn't feel I never felt like I was bored by it. It just felt bloated to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is like there are some movies where it's like there are some movies where it's 90 minutes and you're like Jesus Christ, are we still going? <laughs> and like this didn't have that. Like it, I felt yeah. like it moved pretty pretty smoothly and it never like it never felt like it really dragged it just always felt kind of like okay this just has a lot of extra weight on this that i think we could have trimmed so i think it's it is a really i think it's a really big disappointment that the theatrical just doesn't exist i think it's cool that a director's cut would exist but i think it's a shame that it's the only like version of this product that still exists especially to like briefly tie it into the fact that like we're watching this because we're doing an Oscars run, right? Like Tierney mentioned. Oh right. The director's cut did not win eight oh, Oscars. Yeah. What the <laughs> like hell? The, the yeah. theatrical cut is the one that won all the Oscars and is like considered mm-hmm. one of the greatest films of all time. Not this version that we just watched. So I think that's like an, an added Yeah, like it's just an added level of like disappointment. That's a great point. I will say, though, uh, in terms of things that I enjoyed about this movie, uh, I enjoyed that it was, like, I don't know, took Mozart, who is, like, regarded as one of the best composers of all time and, like, a true prodigy, and kind of just, like, brought in this, like, uh, irreverence to it, and especially to that time period where it's just, like, now we're going to treat these, like, people contemporary people in outfits and I really enjoy that and I like that it was like I don't know it was just more fun than like most period pieces I did there was had a lot of pizzazz there was that one line where they're like debating like which language Mozart's opera like the first opera that he writes when he's in Vienna should be and they're like, well, it should be in our language. It should be in Italian. While they're <laughs> saying that in English, it's like that's yeah. pretty clever. Like that's yeah. like that kind of stuff. I did really appreciate. I think another thing that I th- was just a little bummed about was like I felt like the the silliness that you're talking about, Tyranny, was not present throughout the entire movie, or at least Agreed. like not as prominent as I would have liked it to have been. Because I think yeah the movie starts pretty strong. Like, it's pretty goofy. It's pretty silly. Um, like, the, like one of the first scenes, like, when Salieri's, um, like, servants are running up to try and get in his room, and the guy's like, oh, I'm eating this. This is the greatest thing I've ever eaten. And the other guy's just kind of like, well, he just, like, licks the bowl. Like, that's so goofy and silly. And I was like, oh, okay, like, I got, like, really strong The Favorite vibes from, like, parts of this movie. But then there were other parts of this movie that it just felt like a pretty straightforward biopic. I agree. And it's like, I wish that they would have gone farther down the line of, like, the the zaniness. And I think, like, we we ended up getting that, you know, 30-plus years later with The Favorite. But I also, you know, like, The Favorite... If they would have done all of that crazy shit back in 1984, like, there's no way this movie would have been, like, as widely regarded as it Like, the fact yeah. that they were able to get some of that stuff in there and still be this widely respected is pretty impressive. I was talking to my friend Constantine just before we started recording. Sta- and Sta- Stansi? Stansi? Stansi. Stansi. <laughs> 
I still don't know her name. Um, but uh, I was talking to him about this, and I specifically said, I don't know if this felt any different to me than other period piece biopics, but uh, if like the the world that it took place in reminded me of the favorite, and I like the favorite more. But I specifically brought up the favorite as a comparison. And that's, yeah, for, like, different reasons. But I think that, like, it that one really feel Like, the way they dance in The Favorite and everything like that is very overtly modern mm-hmm. in this time period. I don't think I picked up at all that anyone was acting in a modern way in this movie. Mm-hmm. Besides that some people had British accents and some people had American accents. And Do you feel like Mozart was acting like people do in a period piece? I think that's just what I assumed Mozart was like. That, like, they the way that people had talked about Mozart was that he was, like, a child prodigy who then became this kind of... He, like, died... Didn't he die of, like, consumption or... There's a lot a, of It was myths. a myriad Syphilis? of uh, of things. They, like, said Syphilis. he had, like... Yeah. Even, like, some kidney disease. Like, even just a fever. Like, that went untreated. Like, exhaustion. He wasn't even 50. I looked it up. Mm. <clears throat> and he also, was, like... like, 45... <laughs> This is the late seventeen hundreds, so. Oh, he's thirty-five. <laughs> I think he, I think it was thirty-five. I'm not. Oh fuck. I'm not totally sure, but. So like, any Mozart those... died at thirty-five. What have you done? Yeah, I'm knocking on that door pretty soon. I was gonna yeah. say. <laughs> I think that uh, like Mozart, he's like kind of goofy, but the this the, to the your point about the favorite, like this this movie does something that I love, and I I'm trying to think of another example to give, but I can't right now of just snobby old people in period pieces mm-hmm. being being idiots like emperor joseph yep. is a talentless fool <laughs> his his entourage is hilarious yeah. especially especially the happier set guy with like like who very clearly loves mozart but doesn't want to show it he's like, yeah. kind of, like he's at the opera and like everyone's like they're all glaring at each other like Oh, should I should I hate this too? Yeah, I should hate this. And you look at him, and he's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think His that's probably was what fun. I, like Mozart is kind of like giving the middle finger to like most period protagonists, but I think that's also like there are a lot of little things that are kind of making fun of period pieces. I feel like. Yeah. Um. Anyway. I do feel like this. This falls into the traps that like most biopics do where it's like, they try and cover like too broad, like a a swath of this person's life, which I think like, I think this is elevated over some of the other ones because of those little touches that we've been talking about, but it does still do like, I think in my mind, some of the most successful biopics are the ones that are like very specific, right? Like Selma, where it's like only covering like that moment in Martin Luther King Jr.'s life. It's not trying to be this whole like, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about Martin Luther King Jr. in two and a half hours. Because like, then everything just gets watered down. Um, So I think like, I would have liked to have seen a more like, like a 90 to, uh, you know, 90 to 120 minute snippet of this story as opposed to them trying to tell the entire thing because i think that would have been a lot more successful on both the biopic route and the like the goofy silly route because i think they would have been able to do more of that without trying to do some of the 
the other stuff that they were trying to do like just like the biopic tropes that they needed to hit i think that one one of the things that again you lose with the director's cut is like i've I've watched this movie in so many different ways like when i was younger it was i was really fascinated by mozart like my parents would play his music and i really liked his music and so i was really engaged i thought he was hilarious in this movie i like i liked his silliness and then, like, as I got older, I was like, wait, no, this is actually Salieri's movie entirely. And yeah. I became very invested in that. And his just struggle. And, again, like, when you take that away, and I think that what the director's cut does is it just completely, it makes you, it, it almost, like, takes makes you loathe the Salieri part of the movie. And when you lose that, then it almost just becomes, like, okay, well, then all I have left is this, biopic of Mozart almost as if Salieri wasn't even there and that I think is just it's a weaker it's a weaker movie if you if Mm -hmm. it's looked at like that which is why it's such a shame that they added all that stuff (laughs) in the director's cut yeah I feel like all oh go ahead Matt oh no I had nothing really important to say you go I was just gonna talk about Mozart I don't really know a lot of his stuff and part of it is like uh I can't remember if I've said this on the pod before that I once referred to a harpsichord as a rinky-dink mini, rinky-dink-dink mini piano. And this movie is full of them. And a lot of, a lot of those like jaunty tunes, uh, like I just, I kind of just, they all sound the same and they're all kind of like jokes to me. <laughs> and so I, I don't know how much of his music is actually done with a harpsichord, but like I don't know a lot of like I'm sure I'd, if someone was like, oh that's Mozart, I'd be like, yeah, I know that tune, but I don't like other than like his Requiem and uh, the one that he plays in the beginning, I can't recall a tune of his. And I yeah. also didn't realize he did so many operas. Yeah. Same. Yeah. That's uh, interesting, because I was like, oh, I guess it would make sense, like, Requiem is an opera, like, it's sung with a choir, so then I was like, oh, or not choir, but, like, a chorus, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense, then, because a lot of his stuff is, like, kind of chanting, uh, singing, but I also was surprised that they were operas and not just symphonies, I thought he was just, yeah. uh, he just wrote symphonies. Can I share you guys my one, my one note that I wrote about this Please movie? Do. Because it, what's kind of relevant, and so it's actually not at all related to the movie, uh, but oh, wonderful, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but something that one of my friends told me, uh, he was driving the car with his nephew, and like had the classical music station came on, and it was an opera, like when he picked his nephew up from school, and they were driving in silence for a minute, and the kid's like eight, and then he just goes, so basically, opera is just a woman screaming. <laughs> and i mean i don't know that i've ever seen a description of opera (laughs) watching that movie i was like these are just women screaming (laughs) yeah my my moment that was that was during don giovanni when the like dead sergeant in the armor appears like i know that one through a brick wall yeah uh and then is like singing to the man and the man's son is like running away but there's a point in which all three of them are just like, no, 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 no. And I was like, I can't tell what the emotional stakes are in this interaction. Like, I don't know if they're mad or if they're sad or if they're fighting. But I was like, but just opera, I can't tell what's 
hap like what the interaction is because it's all sung. So I'm always like, are they mad at each other? I don't really know what's going on right now. <laughs> I don't didn't the uh first opera he did about like the where everyone was like, There's a whorehouse in here or brothel. Yeah, marriage of Figaro. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that the one that has the like Figaro, 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 Figaro? Why would they not yeah. put that in the movie? Because <laughs> That's because it was too. Want. Yeah, and then the production company was like, ten years later, they put it in Mrs. Doubtfire, and they were like, "This is where it belongs." <laughs> is that really a this Mrs. Not... Doubtfire? It starts. It's like the yeah. first time you meet him. He's singing Figaro. Oh, I didn't he's know like that. he's doing voice work, and he just like busts that out. Did I tell you guys who actually recommended this movie to me? No. It was my ninety? Well, now ninety-two-year-old Russian teacher. <laughs> said this is of his course. favorite movie of all time <laughs> and that's where i was like watching it and i was like oh my god because <laughs> it's the art he's probably thinking the pg version oh yeah. maybe yeah because he has it on a vhs uh whereas, yeah, well then yeah that would be it presumably. yeah because i was watching this and i was like oh my god like this makes me uncomfortable <laughs> anyway um I like the way that the like the music was presented when people were looking at sheet music. Like mm. I thought that was a, like a cool yeah. like filmmaking touch where like like F Murray Abraham would just be like looking at a piece of paper but in, like instead of just having a shot of him looking at a piece of paper, you actually hear like so it, mm-hmm. like you can you kind of I thought that was a really cool way of of showing that both of these men are re- are talented. Like obviously, yeah. like Mozart's on a totally different level, but Salieri is also very talented too. And like the fact that they can just like see the notes on a piece of paper and just like fully imagine what it is. And I thought that it was really cool throughout, but I, I really liked the way that it paid off at the end when they were like just like riffing back and forth to try and get this like requiem done. And he was like, okay. So we're going to start on the fourth beat and it's going to be whatever, whatever. And he's just like, okay, yeah, I got you. And they just like pick back up and just like go back and forth towards one another. It was, I thought that like the, that whole sequence was really cool. And like, just a really well, like it was just a really well done filmmaking moment. Um, I'm really fun fact. Uh, I acted that scene in film school for my friend. Really? I was Amadeus. And I, when I was watching that scene, I was like, oh, I remember these lines. <laughs> Even though I didn't learn the lines until we were, like, shooting it. I think we shot it on camera. Um, but I kept having to keep grabbing the script and being like, with the timpanis and the ten... Okay, and with the tenors in A. Okay, starting in A. And I kept, like, losing my lines. Uh, but I was watching that scene and remembered all of it all over again. Yeah. Um, it's a great scene. I did it terribly when I did it for my class. You wouldn't have been nominated for an actor? No, that would not have been. Who was nominated? So they both were. So F. Murray Abraham and Tom Hulse were both nominated for Best Actor. But F. Murray Abraham won. I'm not sure I cared for Tom Hulse. Damn. I I mean, his performance more every time I watch it. I almost thought this time, like, you know what? The wrong guy won. But oh shit! Wow. I know. I well, I maybe that's just because I'm so sick of Salieri and it's <laughs> damn director's cut. Yeah, he is a shithead. 
I think, so, yeah. That I think laugh I, is outrageous. They were outrageous. both really good. <laughs> yeah. And they were both just, like, doing different things, right? So, like... Yeah. But I think you're absolutely right, Jim. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier. Like, this is Salieri's movie. Um, and so I think it makes sense that if one of them were to win, that would be the one. Because, yeah. like... I mean, the movie's named after Mozart's character, but it's definitely... Like, the, the framing device is all Salieri. Like the motivations for doing the things are like, you know, that's all Salieri. So yeah. I think that makes sense. I do Murray in uh, leading or supporting. They were both leading. best actor. Leading. Yeah. They were oh, both leading. really? Yeah. Wow. What does the Come. F stand for? Frankincense. <laughs> yeah. Or is it, or is it just like right. Murray. <laughs> Murray? I think it's just it, it Murray. Murray. Yeah. Uh, it looks like he was born Murray Abraham, so he probably I thought just. you were gonna add... say he was born F. <laughs> he was just born F. Born F Abraham. Mr. F. Mr. F. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, nice. before before I forget, I'm glad you brought up the whole sheet music thing. I, you know, because it's it's of course a great way to like get the audience to hear the music and to show that they're both talented. And I had written down that in contrast to when Emperor Joseph picks up that dumb march that Salieri wrote and music doesn't play and he's like, can I play it? And then butchers it. Like, we don't hear it until he butchers it completely. That's one of those, like, funny favorite, like, scenes that I I love so much about this movie. Oh, that's so good. And it's also, like, this is, so the cast here, it's, like, a really deep cast. Like, the bench, there. it's not a lot of, like, prominent people that like are still crushing it today but it's all like people that you've seen and you're like oh yeah that person right like the uh the the emperor is um he's the principal and, yeah, and oh, he's, yeah, he's and, uh, the, the principal uh, from yeah. the um, principal from ferris bueller ferris bueller yeah. yeah 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 uh what's and so name? like that jeffrey jones jeffrey jones no in ferris bueller oh ed rooney edward rooney. what is it Rooney. Rooney, that was it. Because I kept saying it the whole movie. Rooney? <laughs> and then you've got Simon Callow, I think his name's Callow, who, was, yep. who I first saw in Ace Ventura when Nature Calls. Yes, thank you. I was going to mention that. <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy from that one movie that I saw a bunch when I was like five. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the, the girl, like the little servant that Salieri sends to like basically be his spy in the um, Mozart house. Yeah is uh cynthia nixon yeah what that would explain why she's Whoa. such a miranda in the movie yeah, yeah, she's <laughs> such a miranda god but like the whole movie i was like why does she look so familiar like she wow. looked really familiar but like something was just not quite right so i couldn't make the connection but when the credits started rolling i was like oh of course it's it's just like baby cynthia nixon is she <laughs> like, english wow. uh, no i don't, I don't think, think so. so she's a canadian if anything uh, she's, no, I think she's, no, she's American. If she's, I mean, she was born in she was born in New York. At best, she's a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have only recognized her if she had short red hair, and and was uh, talking about Cosmos. Of course, and then I've also never seen Sex, Sex in the, the city. city at all. I've never seen. <laughs> it's your favorite show. <laughs> Famously, that's Matt's favorite show of all time. <laughs> also, definitely, always thought it was Sex in the City only to learn it was sex and the city and i was like man i couldn't be more out of touch with this tv show <laughs> you have to watch it again you'll see it in a whole new light now wow, yeah. yeah you'll be I like oh it's sex 
and a city, not just about sex in the city. Yeah, which would make just as much sense because all the sex happens in the city. Anyway, Cynthia Nixon. Wow, what a surprise. Did yeah. not realize that was her. And then Tom Hulse, my guy from Animal House. Got oh. Pinto. Pinto man, <laughs> making. Oh. I know making him moves as the bo- here. Who? I- Pinto? Pinto in Animal Zachary. House? Tom. Oh, Zachary Kinto Bean? Oh, no. Oh, no. How did we do this? You're welcome, Matt. You were just waiting in the wings. You've been waiting this whole time. Nah. It's like you had a Google alert for the word Kinto. Her ears just, like, perk up. She's like, oh. Yeah. Somebody has said the word Pinto somewhere. Oh, God. Uh, I know Tom Hulse best as the voice of Quasimodo. Oh yeah. Oh. And I don't know him from anything else besides that. Does he have was... the same laugh? <laughs> no. Um, <yeah. laughs> Maybe. No, I think that's an Amadeus original. <laughs> yeah. I think on Wikipedia it said that he also produced Spring Awakening and American Idiot. The, oh, the musical. Interesting. Yeah, I think he won Tony's for one of them. I could mm. be wrong. Tom Hulse making moves. Look yeah. at you go, Tom Hulse. I literally, I had only ever seen him in Animal House, and I guess like I had heard his voice, but I didn't, I didn't know that it was him. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, he did something other than Animal House. Good for him. <laughs> this is the first thing I consciously realized that I've seen him in. I've seen Animal House, but I don't remember him at all. And you've got to know that I've never seen The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, no obviously. <laughs> obviously <laughs> um it is we <laughs> so just to give you guys a peek behind the curtain uh when we were debating what we were going to do next with the the pod we were throwing out a lot of different ideas and this is the one that we ultimately settled on the one that Tierney outlined but one of the things we had talked about doing was picking a year and watching and like doing a little mini run on all of the best picture nominees and we, That's... <laughs> yeah, no. No. <laughs> and we talked to, like Matt threw out 1991 um, mm-hmm. oh, no. because it's the 30 year anniversary and we were like reading off the, the nominees from that year and we mentioned that Beauty and the Beast was nominated and Tyranny was like oh which version of Beauty and the Beast was nominated and we were like the Disney one that came she out was like the French one <laughs> the French one that's like, in black and white by Jean <laughs> By Jacques Couteau. We're like, no, like the no. very famous Disney one that, that, like, somehow you just never saw. Which, if we haven't said it before, when we saw the live action Beauty and the Beast, 50 minutes into the movie, deep into this movie, Tierney turns to me and goes, Oh, the furniture are the servants. No, I said the, the village people. <laughs> And I was like, wait, what? And she was like, I just realized that. And I was like, yeah, that's the movie. That's, what do you think the clock has been? Or Lumiere. This whole time. Just. And she was like, I have never, se- I haven't seen the movie. I, I didn't know the animated movie. And I was like, that's the craziest blind spot, a cultural blind spot to be like, oh, what a twist. All the servants became furniture. It's like, yeah, that's the story. Well, and it's extra crazy because, like, you're a child of the 90s, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like that, you, were, you were very much... Staunch anti-Disney. Right, right. But, like, you were very much, like, of the age that would have been obsessed with 
they animated Beauty and the Beast, and you just like super were not <laughs> just like yeah. not even not even aware of its not existence. Was it just very anti-Disney family? Uh, yeah, my mom doesn't really like Disney, and so we didn't really watch a whole lot of it. And the Disney movies that I primarily watched were ones I was very big into animals. And so I watched, obviously, The Lion King and uh, Fox and the Hound was another one. Um, but also I was a tomboy, and anything that had to do with princesses, I pretty much was like, fuck no. And so, like, I <laughs> knew the story of Cinderella, I think, from a book. Um, and, like, my sister loved, like, Snow White and Beauty and the Beast, and I was like, God, these are so lame. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch any of the Studio Ghibli movies? And I only bring that up because I did not grow up with them, and I started watching them at a certain point in my life, and I find that they, I think that they would appeal to a greater audience of children than Disney movies in some ways. What's I an just, example? Um, Princess Mononoke. Uh, my, my Neighbor, neighbor Totoro. Totoro. Castle Spir- in the Sky. Spirited Away. Cat Returns. Cat Returns. Castle in the Sky <laughs> sounds familiar. It's fantastic. Uh, Porco del Rosso. Porco Rosso, but I kind of think they should change the title. <laughs> I just remembered it sounded like a taco. The closest, the closest. That's like thing I want to eat that taco. <laughs> I want to eat Porco Rosso. The only Disney princess worth my time was Mulan, because she, she wasn't a princess. Badass. She was just a normal village. I think you would have really liked those Studio Ghibli movies. I think they had a different variety of lead female characters. Let me just say that while everyone else of the 90s, every girl was looking at Disney movies, I was watching documentaries on how lions can tackle a gazelle and eat its carcass clean. Yeah, you were. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you were. <laughs> Anybody who's ever met you or has Big listened Predators. to enough episodes of this what? podcast are like, yeah, that super checks out. <laughs> I'm going to need Tyranny to say her favorite movie one more time uh, from back then. <laughs> my favorite movie growing up was a VHS called Big Predators, and it was about like cheetahs and lions, and it was fantastic. It was all about big cats. And so there was a lot of like tackling of gazelles and. Uh, and then, did you do that to your siblings? Would you pretend to be, like, big cats and tackle them? There is a picture of me where I'm pretending to be a tiger, if that's what you're referring to. Uh, <laughs> I didn't I think, know if there was one, but I assumed there had to be. I think that picture also needs to get added to the website, along with Matt's <laughs> garbage salad. Yeah. <laughs> I just like to say that I was super into that character. I was very, It was like Daniel Day-Lewis. I was like a... Method acting as a child. Mm, yeah, I was just assuming. Like I was asking because you love Lord of the Rings, and then you pretended oh, you to drop the jerk. ring and pick up the ring again uh, from the snow to act out the scene in real life. And so I figured you'd be inspired by big cats and then act like a big cat and tackle a sibling and treat them like a gazelle. There was a, a lot of like fake clawing for sure. Yeah, I can see that. God, I'm so weird. <laughs> we're so happy that you're weird. We're weird too. Anyway, this um, has been a huge tangent. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Where are we? What movie are we doing? 
Amadeus. We're doing oh, a, a smattering of different movies, the, uh, all the... under the auspices of Amadeus. Have you, have you guys looked at the 1985 Oscars? I looked at it, and I was... I don't think I recognized more than two movies on it, and that's probably one of the only Oscars in history where I can say that about. Like, even if I yeah. hadn't seen the movie, I usually there's something I recognize, like the name. But I, what are these movies that were nominated that year? Yeah, Tell I mean, so I guess like we can talk about it now since you brought it up. We usually talk about Oscars towards the end. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. I was just like um, that's part of this. <laughs> movie's history so obviously amadeus was like the major winner it it won eight awards that night um other things that were nominated for best picture that year were the killing fields a passage of a, <clears throat> a passage to india which i've seen places in the heart and a soldier's story which i've not heard of either of those is places in the heart just like your aorta <laughs> and your ventricular <laughs> yep yep it was the. It it's was also a VHS the, tape. The first documentary to ever be nominated for Best Picture, and it was just some dude pointing at a diagram of a heart and being like, <laughs> "For two hours, yeah, this is the and left then, ventricle." Well, they started with the, the diagram, aorta. and then they moved on to like an actual human heart. Like they pulled one out of a cadaver, and they were like, "All right, now here wow. you've seen what it looks like in drawing format. Here's what it looks like IRL." Groundbreaking stuff. Um, no, I have no idea what Pieces of the Heart is. <laughs> it's about uh, a town in the Great Depression. Stars Sally Field and Ed Harris. Seems like something we should have heard of, but I haven't. Uh, other movies that were nominated that year, The Bostonians. Uh, Under the Volcano. Was the nominee for Best Actor. Um, oh, Beverly Hills Cop. There we go. That got a screenplay nod. Oh, okay, okay. Um... Up, not the Pixar movie, but just oh, a damn. different movie. Um, Indiana Jones: The Temple of Doom, weird movie that got nominated for a score. Oh, uh, I don't even remember yeah, that one. Oh, Indiana Jones won visual effects too. Good on you, Indiana Jones. That movie sucks. I hate that movie. Hey, Footloose. Kenny Loggins was nominated for that. <laughs> oh wait, wasn't Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters that year too? Yeah. yeah, yeah. For best song. Oh, so oh, it was a man. lot of blockbusters that year. Yeah, that were the ones to note. That was also Terminator, or was that nineteen eighty three? I think that was the same year that Terminator came out. But it looks like Terminator was not nominated for anything. Okay, which seems wild. But yeah, I mean, Purple Rain won best score. Muppets Take Manhattan and Songwriter, a movie called Songwriter. That's, I wonder what that's it's the thing about. that exists. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Weird. Like, the Oscars were weird back in the day. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But I also, like, and I mentioned this earlier, I think this is a weird movie. And the fact that it won so many things is kind of interesting. Because, like, if you take out all, of, like, the like, the silliness of this movie, it's like, oh, yeah, a period piece. That's a biopic. That feels like it's oscar right there but then when you remember that there's all the like the goofy shit built in too and the fact that there's like multiple extended staged operas <laughs> that are part of this movie it's like crazy that this was the one that the academy was like yes yeah. this one they put a lot of <laughs> chips on uh, just 
gambling and hoping that the audiences just love Mozart so much that this is yeah. a real crowd pleaser. <laughs> um, wild. So, while we're here, um, this movie was nominated for and won Best Picture, Best Director, uh, F. Murray Abraham for Best Actor in a Leading Role, uh, Peter Schaffer for Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Makeup, and Best Sound. It was also nominated. Tom Hulse was nominated. It was nominated for Best Cinematography, and it was nominated for Best Editing. So, like, it really just, like, ran the gamut in terms of nominees. Got Mm -hmm. nominated for pretty much everything. And won for most of those things. Interesting that it was uh, nominated for Best Editing for the theatrical (laughs) version, and we had to watch that not. (laughs) Would not have been nominated for Best Editing. Interesting. They should lose all their Oscars. They should just go find the people who (laughs) have them and take them back. Nope. Either you make this theatrical cut readily available to the masses, or you forfeit your Oscar. Those are your choices. <laughs> I think that's a fair choice. I think that's just. Um, oh, also, I did have one note, and it was just Olaf. Uh, and it's because Tom Hulse as Amadeus reminded me of Olaf. Oh, I the snowman from Frozen? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's his face... Like, yeah. Oh, he's super smiley. He looks smiley. like a cartoon character, yeah. <laughs> and he has the same kind of delivery where everything sounds excited. And like, just <clears throat> physically looks like him. The laugh feels like it would... Like, it's not Olaf's laugh, but it feels like it would fit in very well with Olaf's laugh. Yeah. It seems like a SpongeBob laugh, really. Every time I try to mimic it, <clears throat> I, it's like Mickey Mouse. I can't do it. Um, the wigs and hats that the women were wearing in this movie were outrageous. They were like Marge and it was Simpson. So <laughs> fucking funny. Every single time one of the women would like walk into a scene and just have this monstrosity of a wig with somehow a perfectly fitting hat on top of it. I was like, this is absolutely bonkers. Uh, that was fun. I really appreciated all of that stuff. Very, yeah, like you said, Tierney, very Marge Simpson. I also liked when uh, there was, like, the sequence where uh, Mozart was trying to figure out, like, which wig he was going to wear. Mm. And, like, there were just all sorts of, like, ridiculous ones. I was like, this this is good. We, I could use more all. of this. Yeah, he does. Yeah, the pink one. <clears throat> yeah. The pink one was really fun. I was like, I feel like we need to trot this one out a little bit more often. <laughs> It also shocked me the first time we saw him without his hair on. It's like when he's playing billiards. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> what happened? And like she became an entirely different person where I was like, uh, is this a 14 year old? <laughs> she looked like a baby. Also, his wife looked his like wife. a little baby. When she was in that carriage holding the baby, I was like, this is a baby holding a baby. <laughs> <laughs> this woman looks like a child. She yeah. was, yeah, she was over 20 when this movie was made. I mean, I'd hope so. She takes her shirt off. Right. I mean, yeah, but. In the, in well, the in the, in the, I was going to say, she, <laughs> Not in the PG she did version. originally. <laughs> Oscar voters didn't get to see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he yeah, was also, like, ballet all, was very funny. Only in his 20s for most of the movie. So, like, she could easily be, like, a 20-year-old. What were you yeah. saying, Matt? Oh, no. 
I I was just saying that silent ballet scene was funny. Oh yeah. Where he's yeah. Like, what is this? And they're like, well, they took that music out because you said no ballets. And he's like, is this modern? Do you like this? <laughs> he's like, well, it's not about like. It's about it's about like, your rules. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, okay, put the music back in. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, I like. That's... There were a lot of like really goofy things like that that I really liked. And mm-hmm. I wish that there were, and I guess, again, we keep coming back to this, but I wonder if, if I would have seen the theatrical version and that, like, I would imagine a lot of like the 20 minute bloat that got added into the director's cut was not some of that fun, silly stuff. I would imagine that was all yeah. more of like the straightforward biopic stuff. So like, maybe that wouldn't have been as much of an issue for me, but like anytime there was a moment where they were just dancing to no music. <laughs> I was like, this is so goofy. <laughs> this is awesome. More of this, please. Like, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> I think, I mean, yeah, I think everything that was added, it, or almost everything, if not everything, was related to try to, in what the director must have thought was kind of building up Salieri's motivation for doing Evilness. this or just like or giving him more evil things to do like i think in the i'm not 100 percent sure on this but i think the scene when he tells emperor joseph or somebody that mozart has been molesting his female students like i don't oh, think yeah. that was in the original at all and then when mozart goes to that rich family's house and they and he's like teaching their daughter i don't think that entire scene was in the movie the, the theatrical one but now i've seen the director's cut so many times at this point I'd have to look it up. That scene was pretty funny, though, with, like, all the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, if it wasn't in, like, I, it doesn't need to be in the movie. Like, it, it's not really adding anything other than just, like, it was, like, kind of funny. But, I yeah, I was, like, when, <laughs> like the dogs were in the, the dogs. <laughs> I also did, like, when he goes back to that house later and he's just, like, totally wasted. <laughs> he's yeah. just, like... Like, oh, does your daughter want me to teach her now? <laughs> She's like, well, my daughter's married and lives in a different country. <laughs> I was like, nice. <laughs> I didn't understand the passage of time, though. I had no idea how long this took place over. It seemed like six months, but not really. But I guess Probably he has like a son. 15 that was years. years. Yeah, I think it's like at least five years, maybe closer to 15. Yeah, I mean, ten. let's see. Let's say 10. Because it'd be like him over 18, because his dad isn't there. And then he mm-hmm. dies at 34. And he has a son, and the son is like six. Or so, five or something. M- Mozart died in se- 1791. And this movie starts in 1774. So, like, approximately 15 years. Nailed it. Give or take. <laughs> Good job. Um, um, I also want to talk about... I think Salieri talking to the priest was pretty interesting. Of Just the dynamic of blaming God for everything. Mm-hmm. And giving God credit for everything. To say, like, yeah. oh, my dad... God killed my dad so that I could go to Vienna. That was and the, so funny when he was yeah. like, I prayed for a miracle so that I could be, you know, like whatever, whatever. And then a miracle happened and the scene cuts to his dad choking to death. I yeah. was like, this is yeah. hilarious. And if this is the type of movie we're going to get, I am so in. And it mostly wasn't that kind of movie, but that scene yeah. was very funny. 
here's what I'm going to say. I also don't know <clears throat> if I got the humor of this movie. I think I thought it was, like, treating... I think it was, like, oh, he's irreverent. But I, did, I wasn't catching these jokes that everyone else is catching right now. So I just want to make that clear that I'm dumb. And was like, <laughs> and was like oh, I think this is just a serious movie that I'm... That, like, the stakes are incredibly low. Like, all of them laughing at the music when they're like, ah, how ridiculous is this music? And I was like, I... Okay. It's so wholesome, now, Matt. I, I, I have a like, lot no, of... seriously, how ridiculous is this music? I don't know. I, I don't understand how ridiculous this music is I was just like, sure, this is <laughs> fine. Um, but, no, but, like, that miracle stuff. I think also showing the priest's reaction of being, like, horrified by how Salieri, how Salieri is, like, taking in life. Yeah. And every time he's like, I realized that I had to kill him so that I could kill God. And yeah. the priest is like, yikes. <laughs> okay. Yep. And then at the very end when he's like, you know, like, he killed his best, his, like, musical angel just so that I couldn't have a small inkling of his, ta- like, his success. And the priest is just like, oh boy like you are fucked this is the way you think like everything revolves around you okay but i think i just took those as like dramatic moments of like basically the way the joker is like like this guy's really gone off the deep end that's how i felt about watching salieri when he's older was i was just like oh yeah this is like a cautionary tale for being envious I, I don't know. I think that I didn't always find some of the things funny that I now find very funny. Like, just the idea that Salieri thinks that God has nothing better to do than torture him. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just it's just silly. Like, why? <laughs> he, like, the arrogance that he has. I mean, so much of the arrogance that he has, like, comes from not his own talent, but, like, the status he thinks he's achieved. The, like, mm-hmm. the, the, the position of core composer. And he's flaunting it. And he just he makes an idiot out of himself over and over and over again. Like assuming when 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 the emperor is talking about, oh, I, I found someone to teach my daughter. He's like, oh, I, I'm honored. Like, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> I love that. I just love him making a fool out of himself. Uh, I was, big. Oh, go ahead. I'm just gonna. I was just gonna say big Hamilton vibes. This was a real Burr Hamilton situation. Oh yeah, of like, yeah. I don't understand why you're blocking my career. You know, just like that song from Hamilton. Yeah, it's my favorite. Can you sing song. that one again? I don't remember which one that was. I don't really know why you're oh, blocking my career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, know? yeah, that one. Yeah. That one's wow. the banger. I think it's from Act Two. That's the, sh- like the, the showstopper. Song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Exactly>. showstopper. <laughs> yeah. It's the part where everyone cried. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I have a stupid question. So, Salieri makes him write the Requiem. Mm-hmm. Is that because he's planning on killing him? Yeah. And when does he actually kill him? He doesn't. He doesn't. He just dies he's, of being he, sick. He helps. I, he works him to death, essentially. Like, I think he... Okay. He, part of him planned... He realized that he was... That Mozart was not doing very well financially, that he wasn't taking care of himself. He found out through C- Cynthia Nixon that his... Uh, <laughs> Miranda told him that... Uh, <laughs> that that uh, Stanzi and the kids moved out. And he's just like, now is my time. I'm going to pretend... Like, I'm going to pretend to be his dad. 
and haunt him and make him it's like a weird like a christmas carol type thing where's the guy but i'm gonna make him feel like he's a right uh beautiful like requiem and then i'm gonna hope he dies <laughs> and sure enough is he, he did is he being poisoned too because no. no well there's one part where he asks miranda if he's taking his medicine i think just because he's sick as fuck yeah because yeah. then she's complaining and she's like he drinks all the time, and then he takes his medicine, which only makes it worse. So I think and she's, she's like, I like, drink all the time, too. <laughs> <laughs> she flings back that Cosmo. I remember yeah, that. I was say, she just got, like, Cosmo. Pulls off her, like, her, like, uh bonnet and she just has short red hair <laughs> and then you see, yeah you see mozart, mozart playing composite. on the harpsichord playing this sex of the city theme on a harpsichord <laughs> that must have been cut for the the director's version because like i can imagine voting for this for best picture had that been in there so like yeah. i get it yeah, yeah. sex in the city is actually a spin-off of a cut scene from <laughs> It was a backdoor pilot that they worked yeah. into this. They had to wait for, for Miranda to get older to be the legal drinking age in order for that to happen. Yeah. It was just like the director's nephew, and he's like, I don't know. He's got this idea. I don't know. I just I agreed that I would let him shoot it. He wants this actress to be the character twenty years from now. And I guess we're gonna try it out. Let's Are you okay happens. with that, Cynthia? And she's like, if it's a job in the future. Yeah. Sure, I She's guess. Like, sure, I'll take that job. Security sounds great. <laughs> Tom, Tom Hulse, do you mind playing the harpsichord? This is it's written on loose leaf, but this is basically the chord that you need to play. Okay, great, thanks. <laughs> and cut. I guess we got it. Um, we're just gonna do one on that one. We're gonna move on. Jeremy, are you okay with us moving on? Did you get what you needed? Okay, let your mom know that that you had lunch. (laughs) Apparently Jeremy's like 15. Let your mom know that I fed you while you were on this film set. Like, what the fuck? She's going to be here to pick you up in 20 minutes. (laughs) Guys, I'm actually so mad this doesn't exist. If I am ever on a sketch show, you gotta know that this is gonna be the first one that I write, and I'm gonna make Cynthia Nixon come in and film this. (laughs) Bring Tom Hulse from wherever he is. You can bring him out of retirement. I don't think he acts anymore. Yeah. And I don't even think you'd, you'd, like, you wouldn't even have to convince Cynthia Nixon. She would do this in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah, she wants to relive her Amadeus days. These are big days for her. <laughs> what an incredibly stupid bit that I'm so happy. I'm so happy we just kept that going for a while. I think the fun Goodness. thing is also because this one best picture, we don't have to be that reverent with it and be like, we got to talk about everything. It's like, it won everything. So, like, good for Amadeus. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything else. Does anybody have anything else they want to? Jim, did did we cover all of the things you wanted to discuss? As the 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 resident Amadeus I have, expert, uh, I have a ton of notes, but I don't have to go through all of them. I just I have a lot of like funny <laughs> lines. I, I mean, I there's a bunch of lines 
essentially shitting on different um, people for their musical tastes. Like, or, or the only people that are spoken positively about are the, the Viennese know good music when they hear it. And there's like, <laughs> no, we shouldn't do the, uh, the opera in German, Your Majesty. Italian's more appropriate. All educated people agree. German is too brute. Brutish or brute for singing. <laughs> and then, like, Mozart just shits on Italians. He's like, Italian opera, all those male sopranos screeching. All, <laughs> and he calls Italians all musical idiots. Like, just. <clears throat> I think Mozart's arrogance in this movie is pretty funny. Although he does, he is, like, unintentionally condescending. Like, when he's correcting, when he's playing Salieri's march and he's looking at him, he's like, Oh, it's better this way, isn't it? Oh, right? yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's playing the, the ding-a-ling uh, keyboard thing, whatever you call it. Yeah, whatever, the rinky-dink mini piano. Oh, quick quick sidebar. And, Jim, this is going to be <clears throat> a little spoiler for you. Okay. Because uh, I just remember that I never wrote the episode info, so we haven't posted our Supernova <laughs> episode yet. Damn. But, um, oh, yeah. So this will be a spoiler for Jim, not for anybody else listening, because it'll go up eventually. But Tierney, do you think the piano acting was better in this movie than it was in... Oh, heaps better. Okay. Okay, important. I really also was going to ask that question, and I forgot, so I'm glad you did. Yeah, no, it (laughs) looks like they're playing the piano, to where I'm sure that, like, Tom Hulse learned some of the pieces... Because, like, the one of them where they're, they're holding him and he's playing yeah. at that party, which looks like a lot of fun. Oh, uh, yeah. He's, at, like, you see his whole body playing, and that was, like, before the age of CGI and stuff. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That scene is so fun. Yeah. And, like, I got really, again, the favorite and also the great. Did any of you guys watch The Great? Uh, the Hulu show? No. Nah. The Periphery. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, written by the same guy who wrote uh, The Favorite. So like, it's very, very similar vibes, but like, there's just a lot of like ridiculous party sequences in the grate and like that whole like party sequence where he's like, oh, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to play it upside down and backwards. Like, that's all just like dumb shit that like very much feels like the great and the favorite. And I was like, good, more of this. <clears throat> the only I like other... when he, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, the only other thing I had, or, or, or more serious, just a couple of like, more serious things, not the any like jokes, but I, I do, and I think Tierney mentioned this a while back, the, like, Salieri really does, like, think Mozart's fantastic, and I love those moments where he is, I mean, he's lying to Mozart, he's manipulating him, but when he says, when he delivers those lines, like, when Mozart's like, what do you think of my opera? He's like, it was marvelous. Like, there's so... I, he delivers those lines so well. There's so much truth behind them. Like, you can tell that he's... It's almost like breaking his heart that he's doing yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Like, he has these moments where he's just like, that. you're producing something so beautiful, and I'm doing this to you. But then he goes back to doing it. And, like, when, or, and, and I think the very, very end, he says, you're the greatest composer known to me. Or, like, I would never miss anything you had written. And he, he means it. That's not... It's like he, he's... Lying, 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 says that line in 100% truth and going back yeah. to lying again. Yeah. I liked that at the end. Because there's also, like, he knows, I mean, his dream is also to get this requiem from Mozart and then pretend like it's his own. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, like, that is proof that he knows that it's, that he knows it's better and wants 
that music. And so, like, that's an interesting approach, too, is that he just is envious because he knows that that's better than his music the entire movie and so you do believe that he's that big of a fan yeah because that only if you loved it that much would you be this envious um Mm -hmm. which is also poetic that he wanted that requiem to play and be this like big thing for himself but there was no big funeral and mozart's (laughs) just dumped in a in a mass grave I find that so sad. I I yeah. I do seriously tear up every time when she's shaking his dead body and like Lacrimosa just starts building and then they cut to the funeral sequence. I just think that's so sad and so beautiful. And but maybe it's just because it's on the heels of that overnight writing s- sequence, which I just think mm-hmm. is so is so well done. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you cry every time they dump the body in the mass grave. And I was like, really? <laughs> I was going to say. I just like. I was about to judge you hard. The, well, the end. The end of, it had like, very Mo- Monty Python vibes for me. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, like, I, bring out your dad. Yeah, yeah. Like the sequence yeah. where. Like the sequence where he does. Where he actually dies. And like she. Like they like um, his wife and Salieri are like having that argument, and he literally dies off screen, and then she like runs back over to him, and like that is really like powerful, and like the yeah. actual like they're carrying his, like the casket and putting it on like the old timey hearse, like all of that is like really sweet and moving. But I yeah. did find it pretty humorous when they just like lifted it up, and there's like a trap yeah. door on yeah. it, and he just like slides out. I was like. This shouldn't it's, be funny. And it is sad, sad that he's just, like, buried in, like, a mass grave and just, like, has no recognition. Yeah. But it, I also was like, that's kind of funny. <laughs> like, I, I feel bad for laughing at this, but I am still laughing at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How funny would that be, though, if they took out his body and put it in the Jaguar hearse? Oh, from God. Harold and Maude. Just incredible. <laughs> like everything else before. everything else is period specific but that one thing <laughs> is just like they're like but if you want to sing out sing out <laughs> but if you want to be free be free you have to do it like opera all the opera people are singing so it's like <laughs> if you want to sing out sing out <laughs> anyway the ending I mean, was like, sad dink. I just enjoyed the trap door on the coffin Probably it is funny. Yeah. More than, <laughs> than it is. Uh, yeah, I thought this was a straight drama, so. Oh, man. Matt, if you have another, like, four years of your life, you should try watching it again, because I do think it is pretty funny. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say. Funny. I feel like I watched this the same way that I watched American Psycho for the first time. Where I was like, hmm, what's happening here? And then, in retrospect, being like, it's a comedy. No, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I, I did not think it was as funny until, and I, it was the same way I watched like The Big Lebowski, which I went into knowing full well its reputation and it, that it was a comedy. And I'm like, I was, try, I was watching it for plot. And I'm like, yeah, this doesn't make too. any sense. Hey, man, nice marmot. Uh, I also watched American Psycho but I think I thought it was like a horror movie and so I I watched pretty much the whole movie and then when he drops the chainsaw down the stairwell I was like I'm done (laughs) but no I think that's how I watched it the first time too is I was like this is grotesque and then in talking about it later I was like oh and it's about how yuppies suck oh actually it's really funny 
actually I think it's hilarious. <laughs> and now I feel like that's what I'm going to do with Amadeus, where I'm like, it was a stuffy biopic about opera. And now I'm going to rewatch it when I am dying. And uh, <laughs> we'll be like, one last thing to do. And I'll rewatch it again and be like, Honestly, it's not like um, it's. It's fun to make fun of it. It's it's not that long. Like no, I it's like Alfred sure felt longer. I, oh that's what I was gonna God, say. Like yeah. it, it never felt long. <laughs> and like I watched it all in one go last night and oh, I like look at you. Without <laughs> I did a, a bad time. <laughs> yeah. I did a I mean I started it at night. seven and then it was done at ten. Like that is not an unreasonable time for me to go to bed. Which I did not do for the record. I stayed up until two AM to watch WandaVision. So it's like it's you know <laughs> I didn't take advantage of the fact that I could have gotten a reasonable amount of sleep, but I could have gotten a reasonable amount of sleep. But yeah, like I watched it all in one sitting and I never felt like, okay, I need to take a pause. I need to go do, like walk around the apartment or something. Like I felt like it moved well enough and it didn't feel like I had been there for three hours. I watched I it in two like sittings, but that's just because I, I have a bedtime. I started last night at 1130. <laughs> <laughs> and then I stopped watching at one in the morning and was like, I'll finish this. You just broke Tierney's brain. Nobody else can see this right now, but she's just having the hardest time processing the words. I'd that probably you just been said. in like four full sleep cycles by the time you finished that. At least yeah. actually no, last night I didn't go to, I couldn't fall asleep. So last night I probably would had just fallen asleep by the time you started it. Yeah. That's and that was fair. like late for me. I know. I really was like, 1 a.m. isn't that late for me. And so I was like, now it's 1 in the morning. I took my melatonin. I'm very sleepy. I'll continue this in the morning. <laughs> and I stopped basically when he... Uh, I can't remember when. But it was a good point to stop. And I was like, he got the job. He's he's writing this opera. And now I'll I continue slumber. this adventure tomorrow. <laughs> now I rest. <laughs> yeah, I really liked all the different things bursting from walls, though. That was one of my favorite parts. Was just every opera had something crashing oh. through the wall, or like <laughs> descending from the ceiling, or bursting from the ground. And I was like, "Oh, this is fun! What a wacky like!" It just looks like a bunch of soft blocks, and this thing like, "Ah, I'm here!" I, I did really fun. like that, uh, like working class opera he did or ones for the work like yeah for non-rich yeah. people basically with the little like parrot guy going like ding a ding 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 i thought that was really funny <laughs> so ridiculous um, is that all we have to say about amadeus anything else nah rock me amadeus 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 that's the only other thing i wanted to bring up was that song exists it Thank does you. I really appreciate that you added that to our lives and this in this recording. Tierney, you want to just go ahead a, and cut that from the. I think there's a uh, a tweet. I can't remember who did it, but it was like they wanted a montage of people walking into cobwebs with put to the sound the song "Rock Me Amadeus." And I have as tweet is probably at least ten years old. <laughs> But it's just stuck with me what? this whole time. Oh, fuck. 
can you find this supercut? You can't introduce this ten-year-old no, and they, not have the goods. I don't think there is a uh, like the supercut doesn't of it. exist. They just said they wanted it. That's just the and joke. I was like, I want that too. Oh. Spider webs. Oh Amadeus. my god! All right, while Matt's looking that up, um, we can go on to categories. Tattoo ideas. A rinky-dink-dink mini piano. I was going to say, probably Dead just a, just a harpsichord. Mm-hmm. But I have to get, like, an image of a harpsichord and then, like, the words rinky-dink-dink <laughs> mini piano. Like, rinky-dink-dink around the top and then mini piano around the bottom to, like, really complete the image, I think. How about a pink wig and kind of in the style that you have the image on your podcast logo where it's mm. just oh, yeah, the wig? Yeah. Mm. I love okay. when he chooses that pink wig. I mean, it's so like, like, oh, we get it. You're eccentric, and you, <laughs> yeah. like, we we get that you're you're gonna start some shit. And he puts it on, but every time he does, I'm just like, I love it. It's great. <laughs> Wear that pink that is wig. Good. That one's fun. Yeah, yeah. I think like any of like the women's wigs with uh, outrageous hats would also be fun, just because those are so insane. I think what. What about that one person that's in a cage with their arm coming out of the cage as they're wailing? <laughs> that might be nice on your shoulder blade. That, that might just, just like a real wholesome image on the back yeah. of my Just arm. like a twisted arm emerging from a cage of you a nude it, man writhing in a sanitarium. You could put it on your butt. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make him coming out your butthole. <laughs> Matt's reaction to that just mm-hmm. you're right that is a thing I could do <laughs> mm-hmm. oh god uh, <laughs> maybe musical notes and it's and it's spelled the musical notes are shaped like letters and the letters spell out Mozart would that be a nice one yeah I nice. guess as long as it's not on or around your butt yeah. No, yeah. It's in a circle. Placement, I guess. <laughs> it's like the writing on the on the one ring. But it's musical notes shaped to look like letters spelling out Mozart in a circle on your butthole. It only reveals itself when put in fire. <laughs> and then and then every time every time uh, you use your butthole you say rock me out <laughs> the scene where you're showing those words just like above a fire just, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. look at it Gandalf. it's quite cool <laughs> anytime you go to the doctor's office you bring a lighter and you're like you want to see something cool <laughs> oh my god oh christ oh boy yeah, that, no. those are the only tattoo <laughs> ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so the only logical options. I'm sure we could come up with other ones, but why? Why bother once we've come yeah. up with pure gold? <laughs> Plus, I know some artists who would like would do exactly that. They, they would be the best person you could get. To. I'll give you their card. Thank you. I really appreciate that about you. They primarily do celebrities' names <laughs> using items that made that person uh, famous. In a shape around a hole. <laughs> this is what they primarily do. They also do what? other normal tattoos, but this is what they 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 really this is their bread and butter right here. What are some of the other celebrities that they've done? 
Uh, they did Timothy Chalamet in, uh, in Peaches. Yep. And it was the full Timothy Chalamet, but around a urethra. Oh, that's so small. Just around the people. Yeah. They actually won an award for that one because it was the smallest fruit ever tattooed. And they did a thousand of them. A thousand. Wow. Because they did the full name of Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> it's so impressive. This person's so good. Wow. Did How big is that? that magnifying glass that they oh, yeah, have to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did big they do glass. the accent mark? Uh, yes. Timi- okay. Good. But it was the it was a leaf attached to a peach. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, then of course, very tasteful. Cynthia Nixon's with the Cosmos. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cynthia and the Y was a was a martini. Glass. Yep. <laughs> so elegant. The rest of it was in lipstick. What was uh, what was that one? What hole was that <laughs> one around? Was that, that was around an eye socket. <laughs> oh, God. That one's somehow more upsetting. <laughs> Just imagining the word Cynthia surrounding an eye like a dog's like spot. <laughs> but it just says Cynthia with a, a sideways martini glass not spilling just yeah, no, it's... just ever the liquid it, is still there of course yeah. eternally tilted never spilling holy yeah. shit and this did replace that person's eyebrow uh, they, they removed the eyebrow permanently to keep this tattoo I mean you have to right if you're gonna go yeah. through the hassle of getting the tattoo you might as well just like really commit to the bit this this bit reminds me can i go on a tangent really quick everyone please yeah. please do obviously please. you this, see me in this <laughs> this you, bit, you've listened to episodes of this show before you this, know that that's what we do <laughs> this bit reminds me of my, my favorite broad city bit do you guys watch broad city yes of course it is, it is the one where they're selling artwork of the uh of famous people and their their allegedly favorite foods and this <laughs> this the guy with the thick accent comes by and he's just like of course ron howard likes strip cocktail he probably eats it four or five times a week that fucking pussy <laughs> <laughs> God, that show is so fucking funny. Oh, Christ. I need to go back and watch that show. Because, like, I Me barely too. remember. Like, I remember the like the uh, setup that you're talking about. Like, I remember that scenario, but I definitely didn't remember, like, that line. Oh, my God. It, it, I'm sure there's so many other things that I, I missed when I watched that show the first time. I but, think if you YouTube just Broad City Celebrity Foods or something, I'm sure that clip is there. I'm sure oh, I've watched God. it a thousand times. It's we'll do it like after, this, after the recording ends. I was going to say, let, let me... Have a joint yeah. viewing. <laughs> yeah. We'll and do some, sh- some screen sharing a little bit here. Yeah. It's jokes like that that are like hard to explain why they're funny, yeah. but they're so funny. Oh my God. But like, there's no rule that they're following that makes it a good joke. It's just like a definitive funny line <laughs> that fills you with joy. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, would you guys spend time on this film set? Eh, 
Yeah, probably. I'd hang seems out with like Tom a good Hulse. time. I would hang yeah, out Tom with Tom. Yeah, Tom seems like a, a fun hang. Everyone else, it just seems like it's a really like by the book, like kind of a, just a regular movie shoot that might not be that fun. Yeah. yeah. I like the locations. I was going to say, I, like I don't like Did they that. film in Europe? Sure. I don't know. Um, Probably. Yeah, they filmed in... It was filmed uh, in Prague. I fucking love Prague. I would... Hell yeah, I would go back to Prague. I would yeah. go to Prague. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you guys watch this movie on an airplane? No. 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 Yeah. Nothing. It seems like the details will get lost on that teeny tiny screen. Yeah. It would make your mini piano on the teeny tiny screen. (laughs) (laughs) I told you when I first said that, right? No. I mean, I'm sure you did. I don't remember. But also, people who are listening to this have no idea, so you should probably tell us. I was on a date. (laughs) 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 And I couldn't remember the name for a harpsichord. And I referred to it as a rinky-dink-dink mini piano. I remember you told us that, and I was like, why did the harpsichord come up in conversation on your yeah. date? I don't really remember. I don't even you know, know the guy's name, if I'm honest. This is the space. second time you brought that up on this podcast. Oh, Punch Drunk Love, right? Oh, I did? Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. so already I was like, what movie have you guys done that had a harpsichord? <laughs> and a story about tyranny and uh, awkward moments. <laughs> oh, right. That episode's primarily the first half is talking about awkward moments that Tyranny's had. I forgot about that. I just put them all out of my mind. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, and then we normally talk about the Oscars, but I feel like we covered we sure that, that territory. Yeah. Um, anything else on Amadeus before we wrap up? Is there a sequel? <laughs> you're too. making the sequel yeah it's i was gonna say it sounds like... in the city oh the and city a young vienna a young street urchin named cynthia nixon <laughs> street named miranda come on now oh my god um what have you guys been up to lately I mean, Tierney, let's start movie. with you. <laughs> I feel like your list is the shortest at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't really do much. I watched a couple episodes of Chewing Gum um, and then watched this movie. Uh, and then I read a book on, um, like, how to train a dog because I'm getting a dog. Where and then... I don't know if this technically uh, counts, but there was a radio show I listened to um, with one of my favorite authors, Marion Keys, and she's interviewed with by uh, a woman, <clears throat> Tara Flynn, and uh, it was really funny. I actually wanted, I thought I had this open, but I guess I didn't. Hold on. There's a quote from the beginning of this week. It's like every week they do it, and the beginning of this one is, uh, what makes a really... What really makes a good nonfiction story is a disaster. There's no humor. There's no interesting thing to tell another person if everything has gone well. Have some decency and rack your brain to find something awful to share. <laughs> I abridged some of it, but I thought it was really funny. Anyway, that's it. Nice. Jim, what have you been up to? I've been watching a lot of things. Uh, I rewatched season one of True Detective for like the tenth time. Oh. Uh, I don't know what it is about that. It's like I can put that on in the background and just listen to characters talk. I love it so much. I 
barely remember anything about that show except for the just dope fucking tracking shot at yep. the end of that one episode. Does that still hold yeah. up, hopefully? it The whole thing hold. I, I was just talking to some friends of mine about what our favorite seasons, single seasons of a TV show is, and I think that that Ooh. is in my top five, maybe top three. Interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, I could talk forever about it. Uh, my, <laughs> my, my fiance and I are watching uh, Legend of Korra. She introduced me to Avatar last summer, and I echo Matt. It's perfect, and I think it ends perfectly, and it's just perfect. Legend of so, Korra is very good, too. But yeah. It's very good, period. Yeah. <laughs> Quick sidebar. Um, did you guys see the news that, like, Nickelodeon has, like, developed, like, an Avatar Studios. That's just, yeah. like, a branch of Nickelodeon, I think. And they're just, just going to be developing Avatar, like, content in the Avatar universe. And, like, one of the things that they announced when they made that announcement was, like, they're going to make a movie. And I was, like, the finale of Avatar is a movie. And it's a perfect movie. And it's fucking awesome. And it's one of the coolest animated things I've ever seen in my entire life. Why do we need to, like... Yeah. I, I don't. I feel like we've already tread this ground, but whatever. I mean, yeah. I don't need people one. are going to get that like Nickelodeon Paramount Plus money. Yeah. Good for them. But I'll also <laughs> take like a side mission of like slightly older teenage Aang being the Avatar and being like, yeah. let's fuck some shit up. Then, like, <laughs> Katara bloodbending somebody until they explode. You know, whatever. Just yeah. the you know, darkest whatever. fucking turn. <laughs> you yeah. know, like whatever you want to do. Specifically, I think you should yeah. want to do Katara being evil. Yeah. Like, that yeah. would be that would be pretty cool. <laughs> and they take like a spaceship to go to visit the moon because uh, it's a friend, and she's like, "Hey, what's up, guys? I'm up here now." Anyway, uh, <laughs> movie wise, I watched Nomadland, uh, <gasps> Judas and the Black Messiah, and I rewatched Burning yesterday. I Ooh. love that movie so so much. I, I don't even know if I know that one. It's, what? It's, it's fantastic. <clears throat> Where? How did you watch it? Do you own it, or is it streaming somewhere? Burning's on Netflix right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I another long movie, not three hours, but it's long. Yeah, it's like two and a <laughs> half hours. Uh, I really liked that movie when I saw it, but I also like set myself up for failure because I saw it after a shift when I was working at the like I was working at the movie theater, and then after I got off, I went to a different movie theater. And so I was, like, kind of tired from working a whole day, and then I sat for a a two-and-a-half-hour Korean film that is literally a slow-burn mystery. (laughs) It's just like, this is really good, but I'm having a very hard time staying awake. So, like, I I do need to rewatch it. That movie made me think, like... It's based on a short story by Haruki Murakami. Mm -hmm. I've been meaning to read that. I, I don't know how much of it is carried over into the movie, but I, I find that, that that movie, like, is, a, is like a, not really a genre, but, like, if someone asked me what, are my, what were some of my favorite types of movies, it's the kind of movie where the first hour to an hour and a half exists solely to set a mood, and then something crazy happens, and then the rest is just the fallout of that. I love any movie that does that. Like, it, there's no, like, it's not really, like, there's not a lot of significant things that happen in the first hour, hour and a half. It's just, like, a glimpse into the life of these characters and getting to know them a little bit. And it's just, once that the once shining like, is like that. Once that pivotal moment hits, it makes you yeah. kind of reevaluate everything that happened before. I don't know. I guess when I say it out loud like that, it makes it sound like I'm describing every movie that's ever been made. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, but I could I could see what you're saying. I think like the one that came to mind was like, uh, oh god, I just watched it or we just watched it. Mm, come back to me later. Oh god, I forgot the movie I was thinking of. Was it Olaf? Oh no, never mind. Uh, I'm kind of thinking kind of like hereditary, kind of. Yeah, uh, where like yeah. that turning point is such like a what movie are we gonna watch now? What is this? Midsummer. Yeah. Um, Midsummer. Oh my gosh. Um, but like some movies, I could see movies like that, yeah, where that middle turning point, uh, or like Tarantino movies do it a lot. Of That's like, true. It happens late. It takes a while to get to somewhere, and then when it happens, it happens late enough where you're like, oh, okay. That's a great comparison, too, because I think that Burning is like, there's so much tension. It's not like the level of tension that is, is in the Spawn Ranch scene, for instance. Like, in yeah. this amount of time, but like, there is just this tension in the sense that you're like, what's going to happen? But I don't, I don't see it. The the people <clears> I know who don't like it will say like, I wanted was waiting for something to happen, and nothing ever happened. And I just think that when you're waiting for that thing to happen, and you you have no clue what it's going to be, like the movie makes you kind of just like give in and you submit yourself to it if you allow yourself to. And I just was, I let my guard down completely. And I did it even on a rewatch. Like, I knew it was going to happen. I just found myself just, like, being completely engrossed in what was happening. And then that moment hits. And it's not like it's a Tarantino blow someone's head off type moment. Yeah. It's, like, a very subtle but mm-hmm. shocking moment. And it just... And then it's just, like, a roller coaster ride for the rest of it. But, again, not, like, John Wick roller coaster. Like, it's just... <laughs> it's. I just think it, it's really good at playing with tone and just making you question everything that's happening, everything that's going to happen. It's, it's so good. Man. I wasn't prepared to talk about it as much, but now, now I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, quick sidebar. Uh, great Steven Yen performance oh in that movie. God. Just mm. incredible Steven Yen performance. So and uh, I'm just going to plug Minari because it's finally available to the masses and wait. everybody should see that movie. It's fucking tremendous it's I, so good i cannot wait it's like a 20 dollar rental but it's worth like barb and star i couldn't necessarily endorse a 20 dollar rental i can fully endorse a 20 dollar rental for minari <laughs> matt we still gotta split that <clears throat> and if we do colin wants to maybe watch it again yeah okay <laughs> so maybe colin you get it on your Jim, amazon i guess we should we should invite I'll you ship, as well I'll ship in. <laughs> yeah i was gonna say yeah. <laughs> i really 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 stephen young is he, I, I will watch anything that he's in from now oh, on. Oh, we were talking but... about Bar and Star go to Vista. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I also want to I see mean, that. Is you're in you're that? invited to both. He's not in that one. But... Uh, he should yeah. be. Uh, Matt, what have you been up to? Oh, this and that. This and that. Um, playing a lot of the video game Fall Guys, uh, which is just like an obstacle course. Uh, is it the sequel fun... to Spring Women? <laughs> Um, God. Um, I watched uh, this movie. I watched In and of Itself again uh, with uh, the people in my house. And uh, watching WandaVision. I want it to go somewhere, and I'm not sure if it's going to, but I'm still watching, but I'd love it to go somewhere. Um, Is this the show you said if they had zombies that you'd come? Mutants. I think so, yeah. 
Mute. Oh, oh, mutants. Okay. Yeah. Mutants. Sorry. Zombies. <coughs> I, I would know. never come for zombies. <laughs> Put that on my gravestone. And I never came. Put that around my butthole. <laughs> so Matt, you're I not. Never. You're not interested in your patron saint Zack Snyder's new zombie film for Netflix. You're not. No, a- he's not my patron saint anymore. I'd like to disassociate from him. <laughs> what are you guys I'd like to be excluded from this pod. God, that movie has come up more and more in the last like few months. And spoiler alert: I own it on Blu-ray, <laughs> and I've never rewatched it since the theaters because I was so upset with oh it when God. I saw it in theaters. Then why and do you own it? Yeah, that, because <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> I, I have no self-respect. <laughs> my brother got two free passes to see it at AMC River East when we were living in the suburbs, and we drove downtown, and we were literally the next person that would have been able to go in the theater before they shut it, and they were like, nope, we filled up. Because it was like a special pass. Yeah. And we had to pay for parking and drive all the way back to the suburbs for nothing. And then... And that River East parking is not cheap. No. And then we saw it in the suburbs, and I was like, this better be fucking worth it. And guess what? Oh, my God. It wasn't in many ways. But have I had lingering thoughts that maybe if I went in with lower expectations, it might not be so bad? Yes. Will I be rewatching it in the near future? Probably. <laughs> I've never gone back to revisit it. I remember it being one of the best examples of a trailer that I was so excited for. It was yes. one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Silver Sun pickup song, one of my favorite songs at the time. Fuck. Yes. And it was so terrible. It was such a bad movie, except <laughs> except and I've gone back and I've watched just the end credits because Oscar Isaac is in it. It was the first thing I ever saw him in right before That's I saw right. Drive. He sings this song at the end with Carla Gugino, and it's pretty good. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have to rewatch this now, right now. Just watch that clip. We could we could do that after. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll cue that one up yeah. next after, uh, <laughs> after a little Broad City. Broad City, yeah. <laughs> Silver Sun pickups, Panic Switch. Oh my uh, god. Yeah, Colin inherited the vinyl album from his old roommate, and then I inherited it from Colin because he didn't want it anymore and the other day I played just that second LP side C just for Panic Switch mm-hmm. and then I was like and I don't know any of these other songs this is <laughs> the only song that I wanted to listen to but it's because of that silver it's because of that Sucker Punch trailer yep so good job trailer you, yep, did, you did it to us. Um, and that's I mean I yeah not much else um, I was watching Amadeus Amadeus, Amadeus. Uh, oh, and I, I started watching uh, this anime called Promise Neverland. It's so good. Uh, it's fucking good. It's so it's good. Like, twisty as hell. And it's all about these orphans that are on this like farm. And in the first episode, they discover a world-shattering secret about their lives. And the rest of the show is an escape. Uh, like hatching an escape and planning for an escape and it's like very clever and very smart uh, and animated really well and like 20 minute episodes and that's been really fun and tense oh oh and I watched the first scream for the first time Ooh. wasn't that last week I was say so you talked oh, about I that forget. already <laughs> I don't remember then what I did or didn't do that's all that's all I did what did you think uh, uh, I thought it was very clever and fun uh, and so I'll be watching the other one. 
Yeah, we definitely talked about this last week. (laughs) (laughs) And I was going to say, another time, like, that's that's on us for, and it's on me. It's on me for not writing the episode description when Tierney texted me about it three days ago. I forgot that I texted you about it. (laughs) Um, So I finished, I got all caught up on uh, For All Mankind, uh, which is dope. And then I had, like, a space kick last week where I watched The Right Stuff, which is, I'd never seen it before. It's good. It's way too fucking long. It's three hours and 15 minutes long. Like, just what the fuck are we doing? Oh, <laughs> There's that's no a reason for this. Yeah. There's no reason for that movie to have been as long as it was. But, like, it was filmed in the 80s. A lot of really cool, like, flight sequences and, like, space shit. So, like, that was cool. Uh, and then I watched First Man, which I don't know if we've talked about on the pod, but First Man fucking rules. I yeah. love First Man so much. Top tier. <laughs> It's so good, I and I see. I see in that movie <laughs> <laughs> from all the space stuff. No, it's because when he first goes into space and he comes back down, and it's like that press conference. The camera doesn't stop moving. Yeah, and I just was getting so nauseous that I actually I had to look at the side of the movie theater and watch the screen out of my peripheral. <laughs> wow, because um, I was like, oh, the camera needs to settle down. <laughs> Please, Damien, just steady cam this shit, please. Like, I just... <laughs> Stop moving. <laughs> Stay in one place. Um, I, and so then after that, I watched Apollo 13, which is still great. Um, but it was weird because, like, Apollo 13, obviously, like, the spaceship is fucked, right? And, like, they're, like the whole time you're like, oh, they're probably going to die in space. But everything about Apollo 13 is just... It's like it just feels so like polished that I was like more terrified watching First Man, which is one of the things I love about First Man. But like every time they're in one of those spaceships and the sound design, you just like hear the creaking of metal and you just realize like what the like it is insane that we fucking sent people to the moon in the 60s with like 60s technology and 60s manufacturing. It's just like unbelievable. And like. I was terrified, even though I knew that, like, they were going to make it to the moon and everything was going to be fine. I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, somebody's about to die on this thing. Just, oh, God bless Apollo 13. Yeah. Apollo 13 is good, but or, Apollo's um, 11. Man, I mean. Apollo's 11, when they're uh, stealing from that casino in Las Vegas, <laughs> and George Clooney is <laughs> Danny Apollo. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think that the best a... part about about First Man is when he drops hashtag Karen's bracelet in, on the moon crater. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst part of that movie. <laughs> I watched it you with guys my are monsters sister because that just... movie that moment makes me cry literally every time I watch that movie. I watched it with my sister in that moment in the movie theater. We both started laughing. <laughs> awful, just awful. <laughs> you guys are fucking monsters, and I hate you. <laughs> It's a beautiful moment. How Karen. Oh, Karen. I will I will say, watching that movie and, like, having a lot of the emotional weight of that movie being tied to a person named Karen in the year of our Lord 2021 was, like, a real journey that I went on. Where I was like, <laughs> like, I feel bad for you, Neil, but also... Karen, That's my... like, she probably would have sucked if she would have, like, not died. <laughs> like, Whoa. She... <laughs> my That's sister was like... Person, wow. <laughs> my sister she was, was like... She was a real little girl. <laughs> she, she was like, what kid is named Karen? And I was like, well, 
all the parents that are named Karen were all kids at one time. <laughs> no, I it's think like most you have a f- bunch most of kids in Barb. Yeah, and I think most Karens hatched from the head <laughs> of Martha Stewart, <laughs> fully formed and with coupons. And Asking to speak to the manager. Yeah. Like all Venuses are born, they sprung forth. Oh, uh, and then I also watched a documentary uh, called My Octopus Teacher, which is on Netflix, and it's shortlisted for uh, this year's Academy Awards. It's really sweet. It's about this dude who just, like, starts uh, snorkeling and meets an octopus, and they become friends. And it's, like, it sounds insane when I say those words out loud, but it's, like, very sweet and very moving. And it's also only 120 minutes long. So it made, like, a very nice pair <laughs> between that and this three-hour extravaganza. <laughs> so, <laughs> But, yeah, that's it. That's um, it? What yeah. are we watching next week? Are we watching The Sting? Ooh. Yeah. Uh, we are going to be watching The Sting and currently are planning on doing it with guest star A Different Jim. Oh, shit. Oh, so we will continue J. our trend of only J names being guest stars on this show <laughs> bless us yeah uh but yeah that's what we're doing we're doing uh, the sting and uh let's just say one more time jim thank you for being our guest star thank you for having me guys i really this was so fun was yeah really thank fun. you it's fun i had and uh, you you helped illuminate a lot of this movie for me that i missed <laughs> uh, and i thank you for that because I, your love for this movie made me appreciate it more than just a typical biopic uh, in afterthought. Whether I understood it at all during the movie, I don't think I did, so I'm sorry. I Yeah, I am glad, like, this was really fun, and I am glad that you were able to join us, and you also had seen this before, because I think if, if it was just, like, the four of us had never seen it and we were all thrust into this, like, director's cut only, it would have been a very different conversation, so... Thank you for for your your insight and also playing along with our very very stupid bits. <laughs> no, thank you all. Thank you all very much. Three cheers for Jim. Cheers, cheers, cheers. I'm finished.